0: From Post Media, I'm Ewan Plater, and this is XY, a show about mental health in men. On today's episode, we'll be sitting down with the incredible Glyn Fussell, founder of the iconic night out, Sink the Pink. Glyn is a big character in the best possible way, and if you've never met him, then you're in for a real treat today. He is hilarious, undoubtedly so. With Sink the Pink especially, he speaks a lot about identity and a sense of belonging. It's really clear to me that Glenn has spent a lot of time trying to create places and spaces where men, women, both or neither, feel safe and welcome. Like with every interview on the XY show, today is not to be taken as advice. This is just a conversation between two people and should be treated as such. If you are looking for some support, I've left the details of some great organisations in the show notes, including those of Time to Change. And as always, I wanted to draw attention to their Ask Twice campaign. Sometimes we say we're fine when we're really not. A simple are you sure you're okay can make all the difference. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Okay, cool. Are we good to go, Chris? Fantastic. Okie dokie, so... Joining in the studio today with Glenn Fussell, Glenn Russell. What do you want to be as on the show?
1: I would like to be uh, Glenith Paltrow.
0: Glenith Paltrow? No, Glenn Fussell, just so, yeah, my birth name, thanks. Glenn Fussell for today, not Glenn Paltrow. Yeah. Okay, cool, yeah. fine. Um, so I guess I know you pretty well. We go a, a little while back oh, we go in way London back, terms. darling. Yeah, totally. What, did we met maybe four years ago? Started off with... Doing, just doing fabulous, exciting projects. Fabulous, fun things. So anyway, tell us to start off with. A bit about what it is you do. How would you describe oh, what you do? there we doing? go. It's that question. Yeah. What do you do?
1: Um, look, I think it all boils down to the fact that I've created a career out of being the fullest version of myself and allowing others to do the same. So, I love um, that. Yeah, I think that, that it's weird, actually, because I was only talking about this earlier. And that there's a lot of detail around what I do. And when I talk about that detail, I sound like a wanker. Yeah, Because it's like, oh, I have this business and I do this and I have this show. Actually, the motivation for all of it is the same. Is mm-hmm. that My motivation is to lift people to be the biggest version of themselves and fulfill their potential. And that is why I'm motivated to do what I do. The various different things you do. Yeah, but I do. Yeah, but, but you know while we're while we're on the subject, I also <laughs> I have a company. I started Think the Pink. Yeah. Um. I started a festival called Mighty Hoopla and a club night called Savage. And the overarching thing for that is the company called East Creative, which yeah. um is me and my business partner Jamie Tag, who is a wonderful human. And I. Have lots of projects around that, which is how I came to meet you. um Yeah, and then I also, I also have a podcast on BBC Radio One.
0: BBC that was my BBC style.
1: voice. Did you like that? Yeah, I really liked it. Um, it's well which is uh, called Drag Queens Den. Yep. And yeah, and then I do
0: a few other bits. Lots of showing off.
1: Really, Got heaps going on. Lots of showing off. Love it. Professional yeah. show off. I'm a professional show off. I always say that. yeah So
0: I guess Think the Pink for me. You've described it to me in the past as a queer night. Yeah. it encompasses a lot of the lgbt community but it's not exclusive to that how would you what is Think the pink for people who haven't seen it and
1: yeah i think the bigger question is what is queer well because Pink*, we'll be
0: yeah but it's weird actually because i think that
1: there's so many titles and labels being pushed around but actually um i feel if you feel it you're allowed to own it in a yeah. certain way and queer for me is a, a a way of thinking a lifestyle and maybe a sort of outlook to the world and so i define as i define myself as queer because i um but i think you can also be straight as in you can have sex with a woman imagine that shock horror (laughs) and be queer (laughs) um and sing the pink was never about those labels sing the pink was about breaking down the labels sing the pink is a pop punk night Right, it is a night that moved into a movement mm-hmm. and became something for everybody to be the biggest version of themselves. Yeah, and
0: it's about ten years old now. I'm it's it's
1: going to be eleven years old, 11 which years which is crazy because I'm only sixteen. Um, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, fetal in drag years. It that. <laughs> Yeah, in August. August. 8th of the 8th, 2008.
0: 11 years old in August. 11 years old, yeah. Because I became aware of Sink the Pink two or three years ago when I first met you. And my first introduction to it was as this huge, thousands of people, incredible yeah. outfits, incredible music, massive party. But where did it start? What was the roots of well, it? Well,
1: it started with my best friend, Amy Zing. Hi, Amy. And it st- well, with everything I've done, The I realise it's very weird as you as you go go forward in your life and you start doing several different projects yeah you realize that sometimes well not for everyone but for myself the the motivation for all of them is the same and it's about a reaction to something that's not out there already yeah so um which is again going back to that punk thing because i think that i naturally gravitate towards not doing as i'm not doing the thing that I'm told I'm supposed to do or being the person I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And I think myself and Amy as um a gay man and best friend and we had been going out a lot uh, in London, we'd both moved to London and we we just felt really disillusioned and really um underrepresented we we couldn't find a place that felt us okay and by us i mean the two of us yeah that we would go to gay bars and you know i started going to places like pop stars at the scala back in the day because you know i'm a bit older and indie music was a the thing then <laughs> and going to trash palace and places like that and they were great they were cool they were amazing but she didn't feel like she had a place and yeah. they didn't feel particularly um, friendly or welcoming or, um, fabulous, I yeah. guess is the way of putting it. And the same thing with her, you know, we used to go to a lot. She at the time was working for uh, BBC One Extra. Yeah. So we would go to loads of, yeah, exactly. We'd go to loads of like, <laughs> like BBC drum and place. bass nights <laughs> and stuff like that. And I, you know, I, which I used to love because I love me some Black D. Yeah. And <laughs> But um, again, not really our place. So we had been out on this night out and um, she had had her fake Marbury handbag stolen. We were livid. Shitter. Yeah, livid. And we just decided one day, we were sat in the back garden drinking pims, and we decided that we were going to just write a list of all the things that we... We, I guess, we wanted out of life, and it really wasn't about being as specific as saying what we want out of a club night. Because I don't think we had harnessed that. Yeah. It was actually about the motivation of who we were as human beings. What we, what we, you know, because I think a lot of people come to London with this kind of dorothy wizard of Oz thing of like, i like i'm yeah. gonna find everything and all the questions are going to be answered and that happens a lot as a gay man you know yeah. you come out you say those words i am gay and you believe that those words are going to just all of a sudden there's going to be this big poof and i am <laughs> a big poof but, no pun um, intended yeah yeah exactly you're going to get this big thing and all your answers of all the questions you've ever asked yourself are going to be fulfilled and that's just not the case or it yeah. wasn't for me and so we just wrote and we'd been living in London quite a while by the way at this point point, yeah. and I was working in a shit retail job she yeah. was working at One Extra you know I think on maybe some sort of work placement basically we were skin we were pissed off and we were angry and we wanted yeah. we wanted success and we wanted to be <laughs> we wanted to be true to ourselves
0: it sounds like a lot of why you started it was actually around the idea of identity <laughs> but you wanted to find it's all about identity and I think that I wasn't brave or bold enough
1: before to accept that. <laughs> Coughing fit on wine, honey. Here we go. Yeah. That's that Chardonnay. There you go. Yeah, it's a cheap Chardonnay. Time. Um so yeah, it was definitely about identity, and it's a recurring theme in my life, actually, yeah. is that um I felt that I didn't have the strength, courage, or bravery to release. That person that was inside of me, because it was always there, you know. But I was—I don't think I had the skills or the uh, the courage to uh, allow myself to explore it. Because I think to explore your full identity, you've got to fall, you've got to like fall apart, yeah, and take the bag, and you've got to like go to the the the, the, like wildest (laughs) place. And and believe me, I did. I'm sure (laughs) we'll get to that. But you have to go to that place to kind of pick yourself back up and remember who you were. Yeah. Uh but remember, you know, where you want to go and um and but but with the knowledge that, you know, that was fun and all, but you know, there's Yeah. Of, I'm still figuring out how basically you and is what I'm trying to say. You're on a journey. You never I'm know who a, you are. I'm on a journey. On a journey.
0: Yeah. It's a cliche, but sometimes clichés are really good because you know
1: remember, it really is. I mean I hate to say that because unfortunately Simon Cowell and Louis Walsh ruined all those clichés for us and we're not allowed to say <laughs> I just want to be authentic. I'm on a journey. Yeah. But that's the goddamn truth. God, yeah. Who knew that Louis Walsh was such a, such a sort of spiritual... I mean, the guy gave us he's a mo- life, Louis so. Walsh is the modern-day Dalai Lama. <laughs> I, think, I think we all know that.
0: That's good on the front cover of this yeah. episode. Yeah. Louis Walsh is the modern-day <laughs> Dalai Lama. Get that into a t-shirt. Send it to print. Yeah. I think without... Um, you know, you, you've actually taken the the original kind of line of inquiry that I had a lot wider and made it a lot more beautiful to think about. But... I guess a big part of Sink the Pink for me it was just drag. That's kind of what I initially saw. Um, Which was never the plan, by the way. That just was, was a natural... Drag was never the plan. What's been really
1: funny about Sink the Pink is that it didn't start as a drag night. It didn't start as a night for trans people. It didn't start as a night for non-binary people. It didn't start as a night for anybody. Yeah. It was a night for everybody. And yeah. it was a night where when you live in an unbelievably repressive time... Um, you know, and and the boom of *Sink the Pink* really did come from the repre- uh, from the recession, not yeah. the repression, <laughs> the Great Repression of 1982. Yeah. It was from from the recession, and that was when we started doing really well because, in desperately bleak times, people choose to um, just go wild and maybe be a little bit. Um, loose with how they choose to spend their time. Yeah, hedonism kind of kicked off exactly, a yeah. and it was and. Think the pink ended up being at the forefront of that. We were like at the crest of a wave, and then the press get hold of it. You know, yeah. we didn't instrument that wasn't like we weren't pushing that at all. That just happened, and then all of a sudden we become this like night that's changing drag and night that's changing gender, yeah. and then with a the night that's you know pushing trans. And it's like funny as fuck because none of those things were on the agenda, but. It's it's also a wonderful thing. Yeah. And we were we were all in it as just a group of friends and oddballs that were all clinging on to each other, mainly because we all had drug problems. <laughs> 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 Help! I don't want to go to sleep, hold me. <laughs> so um, but it's it's when you're in the middle of something like that, and I can say that now because we've come out the other side it's unbelievable because you're in the, you're in the eye of a storm and you have no idea and you have no idea of how people perceive you because that's not your decision to make. It's how people are perceiving you from the outside and, then people want to make you the hot new thing because yeah. that's what London is all about, and that True was point. never our intention. And it, we were just laughing at it because we, as a group of friends, as a group of people, as a as a movement, whatever you want to call it, we're very self deprecating. Everything was silly, mm-hmm. tongue in cheek.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we were never being overly political. We were just friends coming together like this group of misfits that found this unbelievable strength in our unity and our power yeah um because there's nothing better than finding people that have maybe been uh, served a sort of a sort of shitty deal yeah and then finally finding their tribe yeah. of people and and then that tribe of people being given this focus on And people are going, oh, my God, they're like the sort of drag version of the Spice Girls. And, you know, obviously, as the weird little kid in
0: you, you're going, oh,
1: my God, everybody (laughs) loves us. It's amazing because we all want to be loved. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, it's been a ride.
0: Yeah, it became a big thing from being an authentic thing, though. What you're you're saying is there was no intention of making There was no intention.
1: I really do believe that if you um, over-intellectualize these things or you have this too... uh, I, I feel like if you... If your plan is from a, a, a the mind and not the heart, then you won't get there that's I really believe that, and yeah. I feel that what, what everything every single person that was involved in seeing the pink, especially back sort of year three four five yeah. it was that our hearts and our desires were chasing the same thing, and that was just to be seen and heard and 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 finding um a group of people where we felt like we found our family yeah. and the power was that and it wasn't any of us really overusing our brain sorry everybody but it, it wasn't it was it was actually just a feeling and so a, that's
0: incredible and, yeah and know,
1: i'm only beginning to make sense of that really by so? having conversations like this yeah by when you get to a certain point um in your career and that's the other thing it was never a career It was never, you know, you definitely don't step into a night like that and go, this is going to, you're Oh, by the way, mum, 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 mum. I've decided law is not for me. Law's not, you know, I know, I know, I know. I'm going after the PhD. I'm going to be a barrister, but fuck it. I want to make a drag night full of misfits. I really feel like this is going to be my career. I
0: just want to get drunk and happy.
1: Nobody is ever going to think that that is a smart career move. And I definitely didn't. But we were pursuing our own personal joy yeah I think and then there's something unbelievably powerful about that so if you I always say this is that rather than chasing the details of a career you should just chase your own personal joy and then
0: hopefully it happens have it did for me mom because I wouldn't well yeah and I think that segues quite nicely into my next point when you say it did for me mom because you have always struck me as someone who as you say you're on a journey you yeah. don't feel like a finished article or anything. No way. But as a child, did you always feel like you were going to go down this route? Or as a child, were you... Well, what was I, was that a, like?
1: a, I was a nightmare child, actually.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> as I always to... knew
1: that, because I'm from a really big family, Yeah, a family that I um, credit with who I, I've never... I spent all my life running away from my family, not because... I was ashamed of them or i, or I didn 't love them, and I, I adore my family i 'm so blessed and grateful to have them,, yeah. but because I knew I needed something else, and I knew that I had this real early internalized faith in myself. It was this really weird thing because i i was and this is going to this is <laughs> the biggest shock car to you, is that I was painfully shy until probably the age of ten, really no one ever believes me, and they think i 'm just making it up but it 's really shy um and really introspective and be- but i think that was because i was from one of seven yeah. we grew up in a three-bedroom house there was no fucking space to so, to think about anything my favorite i used to my mum was we were i was talking to my mum about this and i spent a lot of my time inside the brown curtain now that's not some sort of sexual analogy <laughs> but what it means is that there was you know I was born in 1980. My mum and dad maybe hadn't started watching Changing Rooms at that point. So they had these long brown curtains in our front room with lining. And it was the only space in my parents' house where I felt like I could be on my own and be alone with my own thoughts. I would sit inside wow. the lining of the curtain, just kind of on my own. With My mum and dad would be like, we would get you a birthday present. And then you would just go into the background and we would see you with like the box on your head or in the box. Wow. and because my imagination, I I feel like when you're a weird kid or where you want more and where you feel like, I always don't want to sound ungrateful in this, where you feel as if um, the narrative that you've been born into is not necessarily going to be your future,
0: but you don't know how it's going to look. You Explain you, that, sorry. When you say the narrative you've been born well, into, how did you feel?
1: I felt like... My God, my mum's going to kill me for saying this. But I remember thinking that I remember watching Beverly Hills 90210 once. <laughs> and I remember being completely, completely convinced that I was actually the third member of Brenda and Brandon's family and that someone was going to come and get me from 90210 and take me away. And that I'd been born into the wrong family. Because I used to be this like internalized snobby asshole that you think, oh my God, I'm just so fabulous. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be. I'm going to be someone. I'm going to be someone. Yeah. So I just, and I, but I loved my family and I still do, like as I say, but I just knew that I needed more. I knew that I knew that I needed something and I didn't know what that something was whilst looking for it inside the brown curtain. Yeah. But I knew there was something I wanted more. And I think that when you feel like that and you are from a big family, I became the biggest daydreamer and the biggest, I just spent so much time in my own head. Yeah. I was, um, my ex-boyfriend um when i first got with him went around his house and he's a big <laughs> this paints a great picture he loves disney films <laughs> that does paint a great picture right so but he's he, he's been to like stage school so he's in musicals and Love stuff it. so yeah so he said let's watch disney yeah. and i started watching all these disney films with him this is, this is 4 years ago right uh-huh. i realized i had not watched any of those disney films I remember thinking to myself, this is the weirdest, weirdest thing. A man of my age, 21, 39 actually. Um, I remember <laughs> thinking this is super weird because everybody's watched Disney. Phoning my brother and sister and saying, why did mum not watch, you know, why didn't we watch Little Mermaid?" They're like, we did. And I realized that I'm never watching anything because I was always, I would see something and then I'd go straight inwards. Yeah. And I felt that that actually, that time of being underrepresented or whatever or not feeling like I belonged where I, under the sea, no, not feeling like I belonged meant that I internalized and and it gave me the creativity that I now have in my
0: career. Yeah, And what? Is that a really long answer? No, that that (laughs) makes makes total sense. And it answers a whole bunch of other questions as well. But I guess without, um, without putting words in your mouth, it, it sounds like it wasn't always that easy. Well, but i it was easy
1: for me because I didn't know any different. Yeah. I mean, I went to a really rough school. Yeah. Would I have it any other way? Absolutely not. <laughs> because I think if everything that happened is made me who I am today. And the one thing I am is I'm a very good navigator of social situations. Yeah. And I think that's because I grew up in a big family. My mum was a childminder. I grew up where we all lived on top of each other. And I also went to a really rough school and I was just around people all the time. And I always knew from a very young age that I was the biggest weirdo oddball. Yeah. And so it was about navigating those situations
0: just to get by. Because for most kids, feeling like a weird or an oddball, certainly for me, that that would stress me out. The idea of being different as a child scared me, so I would do everything in my power. I'm a resilient to be the same.
1: motherfucker, though. Yeah,
0: I, it's weird as well. I really
1: don't know where that came from. I think that um, my mum and dad raised us all. There's one thing that all my brothers and sisters have. And we all are from we all do different things. We all in d- different places. Yeah, but none of us, um, we're not how do I put this? We all have a very good sense of perspective. Yeah. So when we're in a situation we're all such different people, but we all just love each other and get on because we drop all our shit.
0: Yeah. Because we... Well, I heard them on a recent episode of your show. Yeah, exactly. Which is a joy for me. I was... Not only in fits of laughter, yeah. but maybe it was because I know you as well, but I was beaming from ear to ear at how much love there was oh amongst... Oh my God, I love them.
1: I can't talk about it because they seriously make me cry my family because I feel at the age I'm at now... Oh my God, I'm emotional. I'm just talking <laughs> about my family, you no, it, was, it was beautiful to hear. I do. I love my mum and dad so much because I see all these kids around me. Oh my God. <laughs> I see all these kids around me that have shit situations. And I think that could have happened for me and it didn't. I felt as if my family didn't just choose to accept me and not ask questions. They want to understand me. They want to celebrate me. Yeah. I'm crying. Because I think that I. it's never easy. Life's not easy, but it's like, oh, are you going to put the work in? Yeah. Do you love these people? And I think sometimes you don't need to accept everything about everyone. But if you love each other, that's enough. Yeah. And I'm so lucky and i am lucky because it could have not been this way my family are the most incredible family and in turn i feel this feeling this obligation with what i have with sink the pink to take what i've been given for my family and give that to other kids that maybe don't have that that you makes know? a lot of sense yeah. And, you- I, and, yeah and 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 that's really important to me and really that's i feel sometimes that My family don't realize it, but they've played a part in why I do what I do because I feel as if I should be lifting others up because Mm -hmm. my family have always done that for me. Even Mm -hmm. at my lowest, even when most families would go, no, you're being terrible. They were saying that, but they were still there. (laughs) They were always there. They they were just there, you know, and that's all you ever want.
0: I mean, I think one of the most... um... Like loveliest things in that episode with your family was actually when you were talking about um, different drag nights and why you do drag, and I can't remember if you asked the question or your sister asked the question, but it was why does Glenfield this need to dress up, quote unquote. Yeah. Um. And I think your dad said that you got it from him. Yeah. And I thought that that was just a rare occurrence. Yeah. To hear a boy's got, father. I mean, my dad's
1: got you know, my dad's got seven children. Yeah. Um. And my dad grew up playing football. You know, he is. Uh, my dad. I I feel like my dad is. I'm. I out of all of our family. I'm. um We are. We are two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. Um. He's this unbelievable mass of contradic- contradictions. You know, because <laughs> he maybe looks like your Joe Blogs walking around. But my dad was the man that taught me about Barbara Streisand and Dusty Springfield. And I remember one of my dad's. Um. My dad. We realized very early on that we. Because I think you find that with just people you love anyway, you find yeah. common ground, right? Yeah. Especially if people that maybe we are we come from a different place, we need to find common ground. My me and my dad's common ground was um, was films, but was was definitely music. And my dad, I and even to this day now, my dad will choose even when I don't need to to drop me places. And it's not <laughs> about dropping me places; about putting what are we going to listen to, son. Oh, let's do a bit of Diana Ross, dad. We've not done that in ages. Oh, I've got one for you. Cue, <laughs> I'm coming out. You know, and my dad does that. And my dad's an amazing. Like my dad's camp, and I think he will admit that. Yeah. And he's over the top, and yeah. he's a character. Um, but and and everyone loves him. Yeah, he's just a bloody good man. You know, and I'm very yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I just thought that that
1: he's amazing. Yeah, if you've not, he's listened- also you know he's a bit older now, my dad. So he's my dad's seventy two, and he we like we are all very entertained by him which yeah. has given him the license within his own little microclimate of sing the pink <laughs> to 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 be bigger version of himself yeah. you know, my dad made, my dad's got a lot of um my dad's favorite thing is to take popular music and and he'll put a message in it yeah to like educate us kids so when we were growing up and we would maybe say something like We'd come home and he'd go, I can smell cigarettes on you. And I'd go, What are you on about? I don't smoke go, boom, boom, boom. Are you telling me a load of lies? I'd say, boom, boom, boom. I think you're telling me a pack of lies. <laughs> so my dad does that and it's always done. He's that fun ass guy.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And he would do um and 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 my mum would be mean and he would walk in and he'd try to fuse the situation. If they've been having an argument, you'd be. I should be so lucky because I've got your mummy. I should be so lucky in love.
0: I love that. that, He's amazing. And they're all quite camp songs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's very telling. It sounds like you being yourself empowers him to be a little bit more of himself as well. Yeah, I mean,
1: we really are. And and, um, And he's just, he's very proud, my dad. Very proud of his family. Very proud of, he's very proud of me, which... Ultimately, we all just want, don't we, as as kids... To love and be loved. Yeah, you want your parents to be proud of you, I think, and your brothers. And, And sometimes you want those people that maybe traditionally shouldn't be proud of you. Mm-hmm. You know, my bigger brother, layton is is really comes to everything I do. And that was a longer process. Yeah. And we are not only there now, we are there. I mean, he comes to Love everything. It. And he's so proud of what I do. And I'm proud of what he does. And it's just it's just so good when all of a sudden your labels stop being a thing. Yeah. Because they are a thing for so long. And you actually just get down to the humanity of of And is that how, a way off for you? Oh my God. Yeah. Because I because I'm someone that I get very bored of when people are, I, I don't like people that don't, um, that don't talk to me or that I, you know, when, you know, when someone's talking to you and you go, you're, you're looking at me or you're talking to me with a preconceived idea of who yeah, I yeah. am, or you're talking to me because a, a, a great example of this is when you'll get a girl come up and talks to you as a version of a gay. And she's like, Oh my God, I've got a gay cousin in Swindon. Do you know them? We should go shopping. Oh, my God, do you love shopping? <laughs> I love shopping. Let's go shopping. Or they'll come up to you and go, Ah, oh, honey, sashay away. And it's like, oh. Quiet. No, I mean, I don't say anything, but inside I'm like, die! <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not really saying that. I'm not really saying that. It's just, it's, but I do get you. It's I like, just, I only ever want to be real with people. Yeah, don't come I, to me with I, I, I would own. rather someone come up and say, You're a homosexual. I think you're disgusting. I'd rather honestly that really? sounds quite harsh I, I only ever want to live in my
0: truth yeah 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 you'd
1: rather as just as harsh have... as that is because at least if you're d- living in a true situation with people yeah. you know you're on a level ground straight away because yeah. you know where you stand you know where you stand and you know what you need to do and I also don't give a shit about what anyone thinks about me so if someone comes up to me with you're a homosexual I think you're disgusting do you really not give a shit what anyone thinks you I do not give you. a shit what anyone thinks about me and that's not always been the case but it's about reclaiming the power of how you, um, I don't, I won't allow anyone to have any power over my decision-making process. Right. That sounds powerful, doesn't it? That, that does sounds sound like, powerful. That
0: sounds like I've been to an Oprah convention. Well, it sounds like a very confident thing to say. Yeah.
1: And... But I, I, um, I think when you're English as well, I feel like sometimes the way I look and and things I'll say get very Americanized. Yeah. People will be like, oh, God, you sound so cocky. And I'm, I really don't because I feel as everything I'm saying comes from a place of learning. It's not like I've always been like this. My yeah. oh God, I've been crippled with anxiety, self-doubt. Um, I've not taken any conventional route to get to where I've got to. But, yeah. and you're not supposed to say this, but I love myself. Yeah, And... I, That's a great thing, and it's know? a great thing. And why should that be seen as a negative? Yeah. Surely that should be what we are all aiming to get to. And I think, and I'm not saying that I'm going to love myself tomorrow because it's a constant changing thing. But I search to love and appreciate myself every single day because I think that that is what. Are the, what's the other option? Yeah, the other option is that I'm going to like focus on the negatives in my life mm-hmm. and and the things that I feel. Cause just because you love yourself doesn't mean that you are a perfect human being. That's not what that yeah. means. It means that I love myself for all of you know, for all of the fuck ups, for all, all of the, the bits and messy bobs. bits. Yeah. It's that my my only other option is to hate on those things and focus on those things. Nothing good is gonna come from that. No. But but what is good is if I just love myself and then and then acknowledge the shitty bits and try and get better from them. Yeah. I think it sounds very self-help. It's not. It doesn't. I always think that mental health and uh, a lot of self-help, a lot of that kind of stuff, it it really comes from a place of living your life. Like Mm. you've got to go to the deepest, darkest place to know how to get to the other place. Yeah. Um. And you've got to have a level of perspective. Yeah. But but more than that, I think you've got to it comes with time and patience I think and and just not, okay so this is a great bit of advice, this is, I mean I'm really going down the therapy route, I'm ready for it my my dad, as I go back to my dad a lot, one of the best bits of advice my dad ever gave to me was that he would say to me and all my my brothers and sisters and there's 96 of us, uh, he would always say to us all, you are not important but you have the capability to do important things so okay. what that does is it for me, it always made me realize that hmm. it make, keeps your feet completely on the ground and makes you relate to everyone and makes you never feel more important than anyone, but it makes you every day try to do things that have worth and yeah. they're important. And that, that bit of advice is something that I live by every single day. Yeah, which is great advice. I think so. And sometimes advice comes from the weirdest places. My dad's not really that person. Yeah. And I remember him just saying it to me one day in the car and I just being blown away. And, you know, sometimes advice hits you in a time where you're like, <laughs> I am not ready for this. Because I remember I was going through a complete <laughs> meltdown and he told me it and I kept my... I couldn't even look at him and looked. Got on the train Bristol Temple Meads and sobbed
0: all the way to yeah. Swindon. All the way back to Swindon.
1: I'm sure many people have sobbed all the way back to Swindon. I'd be sobbing if I had yeah. to go back to Swindon.
0: Yeah. I think um, one, of the, one of the things that comes up again and again whenever i'm researching for this show is that the people that we need to look out for the most are sometimes the ones that you would expect it from the least what do you mean by that i guess well personally speaking when suicides affected my life it's been the people that you would never see coming to and a lot of the time when friends turn around and say i'm going through something it's a shock and I guess it's not, to, it's not to say that that must be the situation with you, yeah. but you are one of those people that, that for me, would potentially apply to. Because as far as geezers go, you're as bubbly and as happy and as lively yeah. as, as I know that people come. So how does that, how does that sit with you in terms well, of... A,
1: I get sad. I get really sad, but I acknowledge my sadness. The one thing I'm not very good at, well, I'm terrible at, is I'm not... Um, very good at um, at sharing my misfortunes or my sadness or mm. my feelings.
0: Um, you don't like communicating it.
1: I'm just not very good at it. I'm very. I'm not. So, I'm just someone that deals with stuff on my own. Yeah. So, but what I what I've learned to do is so it doesn't make me go mad, is that I allow myself the time. So if I'm heartbroken, for instance, like yeah. it takes me a long time to get over stuff. For instance, I'm not, if, if someone upsets me, if, I, if I'm upset, it takes me ages to get over it. Yeah. But I also don't put it under the carpet. I know it's still there and I, I'm very patient with my sadness. Does that make sense? Which is
0: great. Like, it's so very patient with yeah. it,
1: and I can't. I kind of revisit it, yeah. and sometimes I'll make um, decisions bad, usually because we all do. And I'll make decisions, and I'll go. Oh, I'm doing that because I'm still really hurt and heartbroken or sad, or, um, but I'm. I'm very. I, yeah. I'm very acknowledging. I mean, I've been known several times <laughs> to go. Oh god, I'm so sad. I'm going to spend the whole weekend watching rom-coms, cuddling my dog and crying. I mean, and that sounds it, lush. Right. Me, yeah. You know that's not a bad thing. I think <laughs> that but I'm someone that does that very privately. Yeah. Because I do like to be that positive person for other people yeah. and that brings me joy the, but it was also it brought me, brought me a lot of well exactly Um, uh, it's not the easiest thing I no. think sometimes because it makes people other people think that you're invincible so not, and it makes people think that you're not sensitive yep. that's the other thing because you, you know people think that if you're really confident and a bit of a show off that you can't be sensitive and yeah. sometimes it means that people think they can say anything to you and I've struggled with
0: that well the interesting thing for me and it's again something that's come up several times making this show is that it's a relatively well-said thing that men are really bad at sharing their feelings, Yeah, right? But you could, in a really shallow level, attribute that to, well, that's like an alpha male thing, you know? That's like this macho yeah. dude doesn't want to talk about how he feels. But actually, it applies to a lot more men than just the alpha male. Yeah, I
1: agree. I completely agree. I don't
0: count myself as the typical, like, butch alpha male. But well, like, I
1: definitely don't, but I, ha- I take on a lot of those... Um, Decade after decade, yeah. built in systems that we are as men. Uh, We've we soaked it up. We you soaked know? it up. Whether we want it, look. If you've got brothers, if you've got dads, if you went to school, yeah. the whole system is built in. This sort of men should be heroic and strong and and courageous, and women should be dainty and delicate and soft. You know, and that still happens every single day. Yeah, I remember looking at this uh this advert for a well-known uh, shower gel. And the, I don't even know what it was, actually. I can't remember because it was so fucking stupid. But there was these the, the descriptive, one was Lime and Basil, and they decided to call that Courage. And then another one was, um, like, I don't know, Mandarin and Ylang Ylang. Well, yeah, great. Well, that's masculine. And they called it Hero. What sort of like that's toxic masculinity as well. That's yeah. sending the worst message to young men yeah, yeah. that whilst they shower gel their bollocks, they're <laughs> going to feel heroic, you know. And then we wonder why men are committing suicide. Then we wonder why all these young men are feeling so confused, especially right now in a world where minorities are finally beginning to get a voice yeah you know in the truest sense that we are being heard and there's a long way to go mm-hmm. but it's a really interesting time for for men that have been told this generation after generation after generation is that like fuck well what am i supposed to do now yeah it's the conversation for me stop shower gelling your bollocks with hero is what you should do <laughs> don't <laughs> use courage and listen yeah listen i think it's the
0: key Talk. sensitivity.
1: Well, it, no, I just think actually um, I'm a great believer we are in a time where everybody is making statements and shouting and and uh, everybody has a voice. Yeah. But all of that is absolute bollocks. You 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 know better than Katie Hopkins. Listening is how you make change. You have to listen to people. Yeah. Whether, you know, whether you are from the same place. In fact, that's when you really should listen. You have to listen to people whether you believe in what they're saying or not because there's no way that you can even step forward without understanding how somebody else lives, I think. So this
0: is really interesting because the the listening piece, I count myself as a really um, liberal guy who's open to all walks of life and wants to hear people's opinions and expressions. What that does mean as this kind of lefty, softy, liberal dude, is that I'm surrounded by other lefty, softy liberals. So I live in a bit of an echo chamber, which means that I never, I would imagine that, um, as you say, minorities do have more of a voice today. But I also don't have any um, bigoted or homophobic friends. So from your perspective, do you feel we're moving forward? Uh, Oh, gosh.
1: Yes. Any time where a light has been shined on, uh, people that maybe haven't had that before is great. I feel right now we're in this unbelievably interesting time because I feel that we're in a time where the minorities can become the majority. Yeah. But I think yeah. that the biggest problem is at the moment is that we are all being encouraged to minoritize the minorities. So okay. we're being encouraged to, if you're trans, you can, you're you the only person that's allowed to have opinions on trans people. If you're non-binary, you are the only person that's allowed to have non-binary Uh, opinions or conversations right the fact is that as a minority you are someone that is being misrepresented you are someone that is being repressed you have been told some you're someone that has been told that you are not allowed to have a voice and that you don't have worth now as a minority we all share in that feeling and the feeling is the thing that bonds us all together. And that feeling, if we all stood up as as minorities and stood together, and not in the detail, but in the feeling, yeah. we have a chance to actually fucking topple the majority. Yeah, and shift the conversation. And shift the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I feel that sometimes the what we're not doing is that we are all airing our opinions to our worlds on social media but what we don't realize is social media is controlled by the majority <laughs> yep. and we are only really shouting at the people that we spend our lives with and yep. we are all just living in the minority well yeah that's and it you cannot move forward like that we just cannot to the, move
0: forward we're talking to people that we well, it's, already it's wasted. Not, not you're, like. you're fighting yeah. inwards
1: yeah, yeah it's like inwards homophobia it's like inwards transphobia and it's like all of this stuff is it's like we, we've got to we've got to step back from it we've got to step back from what we think is a conversation and it's not a conversation because you can only have a conversation when there's two people involved yeah. otherwise it's a declaration of different opinions Yeah, and it means nothing and, yeah. I, and, and we'll get to that point you know you need chaos before you can make, <laughs> well, <laughs> make anything of anyone. I think
0: it's a super topical piece because a couple of stats that I came across um, looking at this is that well I've said it a million times in the show already but suicide is the biggest killer of young men right. under 45 which means that, I don't know, when I thought about it in detail, I actually was a little bit scared of it at first, when the most dangerous thing to my life is myself. I'm the most likely yeah. thing to kill me, which is scary when you put it in those terms. Well, I, th- I think that that is the case for so many people. Yeah, and specifically within the LGBTQ plus community, yeah. you are four times more likely to attempt suicide if you're a gay or bisexual yeah. man, and three times more likely to suffer from depression. So yeah. even within the male community, which over being from that further minority means that your your odds of um, going down that road are infinitely higher. Um, why do you think, and that's a big question, but why do you think that is the case?
1: Well, I think... Uh, I, I, I'm not Christ, expecting an answer. Christ, honey, we might need an ITV2 show for this. <laughs> um, look, I don't know any queer person that it's not been affected by mental health issues yeah. because um, we are told God, I mean there's so many variables as to why there's a million reasons. And I also don't think that you can compare the mental like what a trans person goes through compared to a gay person. They're yeah. completely different. Yeah. Um unique but what we've what we've done is we've all been like pushed into this like L G B T Q plus Yeah. I mean they're, they're all very different fights. Yeah. But what they are all doing is that we are all united by the fact that we have all struggled and we're all suffering. And the coming together is the bigger part. To tackle mental health is mental wealth. That's what I always say. Love it. It's true though, because I think that you have to get over it. Um I am someone that, you know, I've never gone to therapy. Probably should have. Uh, but I which meant that I don't really feel like I fully knew myself until really only in the last 4 years so yeah. probably about 35 I something clicked in me and it, things seriously I did this stock take of my life and what was around me yeah. and I think that wasn't just a um a isolated uh experience it was that I had been witnessing all these People that had been going through a lot of things, all these different, and I, I sort of stepped out of what was happening and became an observer. Yeah, I became observing all these situations, whether it was my friends that were going through stuff as trans people, or whether it was this. Uh, just, I mean, like everything, you know, and the and the beauty of my life by witnessing all this has given me a wealth of knowledge, experience, and it doesn't mean that. um I am the sort of all-seeing eye on it. But yeah. what it does is it gives me a level of humanity to understand the struggle and maybe gives me a maybe more... Uh,
0: so do you think understanding the struggle is you've actually... You've got to understand it. Yeah. You've
1: got to ask questions. And you've got to listen. And you've got to learn. And you've got to constantly do that. Yeah. The minute you become complacent, you might as well be dead. Yeah. I think that I... The, you know, having a gay hairdresser at the, end of, the ro- end of your row doesn't mean that you understand the fight of gay culture or gay people you you know having a gay on carnation street doesn't mean the fucking fight is over nice and complacent are dead to me well
0: this is it and i think it's um it's not just about being um visible in society but it's about the world around you having an understanding of who you are and what you've gone through and as you say having the hairdresser Be gay or 10 companies during Pride Week put a rainbow in their product, doesn't but it's complex,
1: it's really complex because I don't fight for the rights of gay Britain. I fight for the rights of every single LGBTQI plus person around the world. And that's when you know you just touched on pride, why pride is so important for me in London, because as long as I can live my life to the fullest in London, Mm -hmm. right? And I really do, I I mean, I really live, I made a career out of living my life to the fullest. I have an obligation to be as visible and loud and proud as possible so that people in places like Iran, who just for being suspected of being different and gay can be killed. I have a goddamn obligation to be as loud and proud as possible. Because you can. Because I have to, not because yeah. I can because I have to, yeah. because those people don't have to, and I don't think within it's the same you know we talked about minorities and, and um labels, I think like that with borders it's exactly the same thing yeah. I don't have any bigger right than someone that is like my gay brother, you know I, just because I was born here that's why I talk about having perspective, yeah, and I talk about um not being important because I don't feel any more important than someone just because they were born in, uh, you know, in a country Iran. where you can't be right, out exactly yeah. rights are not something that I was born. You know, you have to. It's it's so complex, and I I think complacency is 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 um something I, I, the minute I see people being complacent, yeah. I beat the fucking shit out of them. <laughs> I don't, but it makes me it get. It really gets my goat. You know, it yeah. really makes me upset and angry because I think that the that we are not. Oh my god, we've got so far to go. We need
0: to keep understanding each other better. Yeah, which and, I think, ties... and that's
1: why allies. You know, I hate the word allies because allies are just humans yeah. with, with with their brain in check. Yeah, but people. That's why it's so important that we you know there's a lot of fight back we've got a lot of it with sing the pink where we are taking the money from brands to be visible and cross into the mainstream well look if i if that means some weird kid from uh, where are the weird kids are you and Tommy, come on well i'm from glasgow so there I'll just you say go there. they're all in glasgow <laughs> Look, goes on a website, right? Of somewhere they've always been into the clothes and the and that brand has always been maybe a little bit heteronormative. Mm-hmm. They look on and they see four kids representing someone that they maybe think, I'd like to be that person. That is goddamn progress. Yeah. I don't care if it's a mainstream brand. Visibility is visibility and that is ultimately where we need to go.
0: Yeah. Get it out there more. I get think there's it out also- you. get I'm your sorry.
1: dicks out. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I don't know if that's. It's, I think I have mental health issues. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Sorry. You know, I think we're we're nearly like wrapped up. I think love. A by more the way, things. Ewan,
1: I love talking.
0: You love talking. This is going to be a good episode.
1: I could go on and on and on. <laughs> oh. Cracking. Right,
0: I've got a couple more bits I want All to hit right. on, and then we're going to like wrap it up. Um. So I guess one of the things, just to uh, carry on from what we just said, I think that with regards to the mental health of, um gay men in particular yeah. there's been a huge narrative over the last well throughout my life anyway of whenever gay men come up the narrative of health is around their physical health you know it's not yeah, around their yeah, mental yeah. health i know? think that's changing i think that's changing a little bit okay because yeah, because for me i my first um interactions with the concept of what homosexuality was came in a health class you know, it came alongside. Well, like in spin cycle or something like that. Yeah, like no, as in like a teacher <laughs> teaching us about safe sex. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Not like Barry's I back. Like camp. I, did, I didn't really get that. <laughs> it was there. like I really fancy the, the male instructor. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's so fit.
0: <laughs> no, it was um the first time that we discussed um homosexuality was in the context of safe sex and right. contracting hiv and the risks that well you know, yeah
1: i mean i have a big problem with this i've yeah. had
0: this big lecture you know because i'm someone
1: that does like to speak my mind <laughs> i feel that um a big battle for us as i mean I, i'm just going to talk as a gay man now but is that we are more than just our penis we are more than just we are more than just aids yeah. i'm sorry, and that, i i get really um we have an opportunity right now to define who we are define our narrative define our culture define and take down the sort of uh the barometer of success that has been put upon us by heterosexual society yeah and when you're given Equal rights, and I'm using equal rights in inverted commas, by the way. When you're given those things, it's that it's like, well, cool, that's fine, brilliant, great. The minute you get given that, that is the license to then define who you are mm-hmm. as, um you know, as as a as a gay man, let's say. So, I get very I get very sad and upset by anyone that doesn't push forward with their brain and decides that they only want to pull back with their penis. <laughs> because, <laughs> because no, it's true. Because I think that, and this is maybe a bit out there of me, but I, I'm absolutely fuming with people that are reckless sexually because we almost were wiped out as... Yeah. You know, as as gay men, we... we, And then, you know, this is so within my time. Mm. I remember I was born in 1980 and I remember it growing. You know, I remember being in in the late 80s. I remember it, this fear. And I feel that a lot of gay guys now are losing that fear and Mm. they're still out there. You know, there's a bigger conversation here why are these young gay men not feeling enough self-love or self-worth that they feel that all they are is their genitals Mm -hmm. and all they can be is of sexual worth to someone? That's the bigger thing. And it's it's a really big conversation and it goes back to education system, as you said. Mm -hmm. It goes back to building um, our culture. It goes back to... uh, you're for instance
0: right it's about what the world thinks when you say this is a gay man what are we going to be
1: yeah. what you know what I know and I'm speaking for myself with this is that when I look at when I think about this in a hundred years right we look back at gay men I don't want the one thing that defines us as gay men is HIV and AIDS yeah I want it to be that we were We changed society. We were leaders. We were people that came in and disrupted this conventional life that had been happening generationally, generationally, over and over. I don't want to be seen as weak. I don't want to be seen as repressed. I don't want to be seen as a victim. I want to be seen as a leader. I want to be seen as a champion. And I want to be someone is looked up to. And that, for me, is what I will strive to be, as a gay man as someone that is a leader within my community and I think that that is the obligation of people that are in my position mm-hmm. because I want to if I can just do that for one younger kid then job
0: done I'm, I'm happy with that and I think that's a really nice place for us to leave it today Glenn thanks so much for your time you made me cry Ewan I made you cry asshole try my best You've been listening to Glyn Fussell on XY with me, Ewan Plater. If you're loving the show, then please do rate and review us. That's all we've got time for this week, but I look forward to welcoming you back again next week for another episode. Bye for now.